Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we are here to recap season three, episode 14 of Gilmore Girls, <laughs> Swan Song. The Netflix bio for this episode is Lorelai goes away with her boyfriend for a weekend in New York, but she worries about leaving Rory and her boyfriend alone together. And before we get started, don't forget we're still doing our sticker giveaway to enter. All you have to do is write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and email us a screenshot and your at mailing address to talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And we also have our Patreon up and running. You can find it at Patreon, looking up Talking Fast Podcasts, and we've got it linked on our various socials and whatnot. We have one tier called the Gazebo Club for general support of our work on the podcast. So feel free to check it out if you so desire. So what were your thoughts on this episode, the Swan Song episode? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll first give you my thoughts on the Netflix description. Oh. When I read Lorelai's <laughs> boyfriend, I was like, who? <laughs> and then when Alex appeared in this episode, I was like, he lives. On the third recap, he arose. <laughs> like, I had completely what? forgotten. I mean, obviously, because last time mm-hmm. we were like, and Alex is gone. That relationship yeah. <laughs> is over. Um, I'm pretty sure that this is the last time he yeah. shows up. But we also said that before. So, Yeah. It's just <laughs> ironic that the description labels him as mm-hmm. boyfriend because even at this point, I don't think she would call him that. Yeah. It made me laugh. Yeah. They're just still dating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as far as overall impressions of the episode go, I enjoyed it. It actually wasn't the dreaded hockey episode either, mm-hmm. like we thought. So it was fun to know about the whole swan drama of it all. But also, like, the conflict at Friday night dinner, it was, mm-hmm. I got so much secondhand embarrassment, but also it was kind of, like, alive, you know? Like, yeah. oh, yeah, this is some good drama. So I like I liked it a lot. How about yeah. you? I liked this episode. It's, like, so juicy, so full of crazy things. Um, the, I mean, there's so much to say about the drama mm-hmm. with Rory and Jess and Dean. And I can't wait to get to it. But then we also get like the good uh, Lorelai stuff and the Swan stuff. There's just, mm-hmm. yeah, this is just a a busy episode. There's going to be a lot to talk about. Hopefully we don't yes. go too long again. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get to all of the juicy material, how about our Talking Fast segment? Oh, yeah. Okay, are you prepared to go first and tell us what happens? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ready, set, go. At the first Friday night dinner of the episode, Rory gets, like, roped into bringing Jess to the next one. Lorelai is going to be there as moral support, but then she learns that she'll be away that next weekend with Alex in New York, so Rory's left on her own. When then the next week on the Friday, Jess is late and then it shows up with a black eye. It's super awkward. They fight. He leaves. She stays over at Emily's. Uh, Meanwhile, you've also got Lane and Dave have a system and Dave is a Christian. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) 
There's so much. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> Let's let you have at it. <laughs> okay. We'll see. Are you ready? I think so. All right. On your mark, <laughs> get set, go. So Rory's going to have to take Jess to Friday night dinner to meet Emily. Lorelai's going to be on a date, uh, double date with Suki and Jackson and Alex at a Broadway show. We find out that Luke is a Broadway aficionado now because he's been <laughs> dating Nicole. There's also another show going on in town with Miss Patty and Dean and Rory are convinced to go, which leads to some drama with Jess who hears about it. And also, uh, Lane and Dave are trying to negotiate being in a band together. <laughs> There's like nice other stuff I wanted to say, but I obviously didn't get there. Luckily, we have a whole recap for you yeah. to find the moment. <laughs> Indeed. So we start off at a Friday night dinner with Emily, like mid rant about tricks. Who. Mm-hmm. We haven't heard much about since she decided she was moving back, but she's apparently back now and she's tormenting Emily with all sorts of uh, condescension. <laughs> pretty yeah, much. it was a good reminder that she is there, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Lorelai teases Emily about, you know, her obsessive uh, talking about tricks. And then Emily... Or Lorelai suggests that what what should happen is that Trix needs to get a fella, which leads Emily into this (laughs) cryptic hint where she's like, you know, I think that Trix at one point had a fella, but then she stopped talking about him. And isn't it so interesting how sometimes you can tell the status of somebody's relationship just by how often they talk about them? Hint, hint, and if they wink, wink. haven't brought up their fella in 11 dinners, mm-hmm. that probably means they're not together anymore. Hint, hint. And yeah. Rory is coaxed into admitting that, hey, she's no longer with Dean. Oh, and by the way, she has a new guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> Jess. Yeah, and you can see Lorelai explains that Jess is Luke's nephew. Mm. And Emily, like, becomes a little bit rigid at that at that uh reference because she knows the only thing she knows about Jess is from the car crash uh which is not a great association (laughs) no no and she though even though she doesn't you know she goes rigid but she's still determined to meet him on her own and Mm -hmm. she is a master manipulator of course so (laughs) When Rory says, Jess works on Fridays, he couldn't possibly come to a Friday night dinner. Then Emily says, that's fine. Maybe I'll just meet him at a function, like your graduation, when your grandpa's there and your great grandma, and basically like implying how awful that would be. So then Rory changes and says, oh, I think he has some flexibility on Friday. (laughs) And Emily gets what she wants as usual. Yep. And, uh... We can tell it's not going to go well. <laughs> no. I do have a domination in this scene. My Lorelai's closet goes to Rory's hair, actually. Oh. And I wanted to bring it up. She's got curly hair here. Oh, yeah. I did notice that. In a way, like, that her hair was curled. And it's more glam than her straight hair look. And it had me thinking... I'm more familiar with her curly hair in later seasons and this caught my eye and I don't know if we've really seen her hair styled like this up to this point. If it was, I missed it, but 
it was really curly like throughout this whole episode even when she had a ponytail you could tell it was curled and so it had me thinking like do you feel that Rory is a person who would curl her hair and if so or if not does Lorelai curl her hair or (laughs) are we supposed to believe like in this sort of magical like her hair is curled even if she's not the type to curl it like she just woke up that way you know (laughs) that's a good question I think that this like Rory at this point in her life is not the kind of person who would take the time to curl her hair Mm -hmm. but I do think Lorelai might do it for her but it wouldn't be regularly (laughs) so like having like there's no explanation for why it's curled for an entire week really because I feel like Lorelai would just curl it like on a whim some evening and then not not again for like a year and a half (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's interesting I kind of at first I was like oh it just kind of looks like Lorelai's hair which (laughs) then made me like ask is this symbolic she's thinking about like stepping into womanhood or you know blah 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 (laughs) that that kind of transition into being sexually active as they say is it True. shown through her hair? I think that's reading way too far into it. <laughs> loose <laughs> but I women, would love that. loose curls. <laughs> I would love that to be the, the meaning of it. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to keep an eye out on that, I guess. But yeah, I just, I found myself thinking about that because I am a person who really does not take the time for hair and makeup. And uh, that's just me, you know, and I felt like Rory might be in that same boat as me um later on she says like oh I like having a uniform because I don't have to think about what I would wear Mm -hmm. that day and I can kind of relate to that to a certain level so I just thought you know there's a chance that she wouldn't really curl her hair so like how does it happen but yeah so (laughs) that's just my I wanted to use that nomination to talk about that (laughs) yeah interesting we'll have to keep track of when her hair is curly in the future (laughs) Yeah, her different phases. Yeah. I think we have another phase before we get to her curly hair yeah, phase. Yeah, the though. like short The bob. Yale one. Yeah. yeah. That's a polarizing haircut, I mm-hmm. feel like. Yeah. In the fan base. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, later that night, Lorelai and Rory are just discussing their weekend plans. And Lorelai mentions she has a date with Alex the next day, signaling that he still exists, which was shocking <laughs> to me. <laughs> And Rory has plans with Jess. And then they kind of move on to discuss their e- their evening and what they'll watch. And is there a mm-hmm. chance this is your Rory's bookshelf? Yes. Yeah. How do you know? <laughs> I know you. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime there's a Lord of the Rings reference, it'll be my Rory's uh-huh. bookshelf. Yeah. I thought I would set that up for you to like hit a home run, you know? <laughs> this one's perfect because it's like super nerdy. I th- I just... I think it's rich that they were making fun of Dean for wanting to go and see Lord of the Rings again and again. But here they are watching the director's cut with like the commentary, which I have done multiple times. And it's like, that's just so nerdy. But it also, I I love it. I only watch the extended edition of Lord of the Rings now. Mm -hmm. And I do often watch with the commentary on because it's just funny to hear all the extra stuff. So yeah. I feel like editions of movies with commentary are a thing that we've like lost Mm -hmm. in the streaming world. And I would like to see a resurgence of that because there's so many, like I love HBO shows that have the like 
about the episode at the end where the actors and directors talk about it and I would love that for everything yeah. I watch that I like because I'm like tell me more <laughs> yeah I wonder why like other than streaming because I feel like it also kind of fell off a little bit before streaming and I wonder if it's just because of the like sheer volume of stuff that's being created and like trying to get actors to come back after something's been fully produced and like gone through all the stages and then record commentary about it might be like too much to ask and if you already ask them to like go on podcasts and make Mm -hmm. tiktoks and like all this stuff like there's only so much content to be created in 24 hours yeah they have to get on hot ones Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I loved Pedro Pascal's I know, me too. That's interview. what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. I would love him and Bella Ramsey to do commentary on The Last of Us and, like, the oh, yeah. the video game creators. I listen to, yeah. like, podcasts and stuff about it, of course, but it's mm-hmm. not the same. Of course, <laughs> yeah. I do like that in the end they end up watching Footloose rather than more of the supplemental Lord of the Rings material you know they contain multitudes these yeah. girls <laughs> but loose is also good mm-hmm. depend which version do you like the newer or the older oh, the older i haven't seen the newer yeah. i didn't know that there was one <laughs> yeah i think it has julianne huff in it Derek huff's sister ah, she yeah. was in the rock of ages which i love that musical <laughs> anyways anywho <laughs> in the next scene we're in town and rory and jess are having a discussion which i think like this is what their whole relationship should be like this (laughs) scene shows how much potential they have yeah compatibility yeah they're like talking about a book called the holy barbarians which i've never heard of or read apparently it's like beatnik stuff (laughs) yeah but not the Jack Kerouac, so it's like that's the extent of my beatnik knowledge. Yeah, sounded uh, interesting, I guess. And <laughs> Rory is telling Jess about it, and then Jess goes to like take it, and Rory t- says that he can have it when she's done. She's then called a book tease, which I thought was and very a cruel cute. woman. Yeah, yeah, book tease was super cute. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, I just wish that more of their relationship was them like bonding on this this thing that really brought them together which was books mm-hmm. rather than fighting over dean and yeah, stuff or like making that making out yeah we get like fights or makeouts and i agree like whenever i take those buzzfeed quizzes and they ask you like what is your quality in a partner and like intelligence is one and mm-hmm. then humor is another i always have a hard time deciding between stuff like that because i'm like at the end of the day i want a partner that I can have a conversation with like mm-hmm. and that takes like you know wittiness intelligence humor all of that stuff and like pop culture and books and whatever so like anyway that's just to say like I feel like they are so aligned and able to have conversations and I feel like the scene implies that this is a daily thing for them but we just aren't seeing it yeah. you know and I understand a certain amount of like a TV episode is about conflict like that's kind of how a script works or whatever but in a show that does so much like small town shenanigans I'm like I feel like you have the room to do a bit more book club scenes Mm -hmm. like just a few more please (laughs) yeah that'd be so nice and like talk about other books not just the holy barbarians that nobody's ever heard of or read (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
But I also find it funny because she says, like, you can't have it till I'm done. But then later on, she uses it as part of her bribe to get him to agree to go to Friday night dinner. And I think she's like, learned some things from Emily. Yeah. I do not think she was mid reading this book. (laughs) I she purposely brought this to lure him in, you know, and her other technique was giving him a kiss, of course. And that is what persuades him to go because initially he's like, no, I I do not want to do that. But Rory convinces him in part because she already told Emily he could (laughs) and she knows how to get her way with him a bit. Books and kisses. That's his love language. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to like remember when Dean met the grandparents and how that was mm-hmm. also a pretty terrible situation with the dance when he met Emily and the car when he met Richard. And, like, neither of them approved of him. Yes. And wasn't there a dinner? Yeah. Yeah, and they asked Where him about Richard his... was, like, nasty to him, yeah, too. Yeah, his school plans and stuff. Yeah. And I remember that dinner being more awkward because I think Richard was there and mm-hmm. later on... Like, we see how it goes down because Emily's the only one there. I think it would have been, like, a very different situation if Richard had been there. (laughs) So, yeah. But I do think it's a really good comparison. And I, Dean was, like, reluctant to go to the dinner as well. Right? I, there's, like, a lot I fault Jess for and his whole, like, not willing to put effort in attitude. But I think any teenager, regardless of sex, would be, like, reluctant or at least afraid of going to meet anyone's like parents let alone grandparents you know like especially after only two months of dating like this is a really big ask you know (laughs) seriously a lot of pressure yeah Yeah. I I think it's it's much too soon wait until Mm -hmm. like they date for a year especially in your teenage years when you might date multiple people over a year (laughs) Well, we'll see how that unfolds in this high-pressure environment. (laughs) As Rory leaves Jess, Miss Patty beckons her over to her dance studio and says, you have to come inside. And this will be my star column moment. Is it yours? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, how could you watch this scene and not nominate it? It's like... Only in Stars Hollow would Miss Patty be randomly selecting (laughs) passerby to come in to see her workshop, her like one woman show Mm -hmm. (laughs) where Kirk is directing. (laughs) It's like I couldn't write something better. Like if I was doing Mad Libs of Stars Hollow (laughs) moments, this would be it. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. My I like specifically put mine on the end when Miss Patty starts singing and Kirk turns on a strobe light and it's like this is just my choice like my artistic vision of this song is to have a strobe light playing and like you the the whole ordeal ends with everybody walking out with a strobe light still playing and they're like Miss Patty and Kirk fighting in the background. Yeah. I think so my great. favorite part uh, my favorite part was the the title Buckle Up I'm yeah. Patty. <laughs> And then her describing her interaction with Betty Davis, mm-hmm. where Betty said, uh, along the lines of, you don't have the high notes, but you got the gams. Yep. And then Kirk wants her to rewrite it to, like, you got the gams, but I have a body in the trunk <laughs> yeah. of my car. <laughs> because she didn't get, like, a response from the audience. And she, Miss Patty's like, I can't rewrite my memories, Kirk. <laughs> 
I just love that uh, interaction. Yeah. We need more Miss Patty and Kirk interactions. They they have like a pretty close relationship because we see them often doing performance stuff together. So we just need right. a spinoff of them. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. They are aligned in that wheelhouse. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and I do think like something I respect about the show is that in this scene also clearly they want to do something to get Rory and Dean together Mm -hmm. because something they're interested in exploring in this episode is Jess's jealousy of Dean and everyone else's assumptions in Jess's life about you know his jealousy of Dean and they could have done like any number of scenes to have them meet and talk Mm -hmm. and they did this you know which I love yeah (laughs) yeah because you know the other thing going on is just Rory and Dean chat and it's very like it's not even flirty, you know? They're just two people who know each other well and they're, like, commenting on what's going on and then they're chatting on their way out as well and they say bye, you know? Like, mm-hmm. not much to it, but it will be blown up into more. Yeah, remembering what we saw last week with the interaction between Jess and Dean and how, like, antagonistic that was, this was mm-hmm. so tame. There wasn't even, like, a hint of Dean trying to woo Rory in any way they were just really talking it was basically like seeing Lorelai and Rory at a town meeting making fun of everybody Mm. yeah I do still have my headcanon of villain Dean and he is purposefully just being her friend because it's his game plan you know yeah like Jess was her friend see how that went like yeah and it's kind of working yeah. He is driving distance between them in a way. <laughs> but I think that something's coming up that will make us question that plan. Okay. Yeah. Luckily, my fo- my foggy memory helps me have all kinds of headcanons. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> After this, we're back at home and Rory's sitting on the couch doing homework and all of a sudden she hears a noise. So she turns off the TV and goes to investigate. She pulls open the front door and there's Lorelai and Alex making out pretty heavily on the front porch, which is something that will be repeated later with Rory and Jess. And (laughs) they, of course, come in all awkwardly. Um, Alex leaves and Lorelai goes on about how they need to have a system for this, (laughs) (laughs) which is like, how could you possibly have a system Lorelai would have to yell through the door that they're making on the porch. (laughs) That's a good point because the whole like the sock on the door, you'd have to already be inside the house. So they need a ring camera. (laughs) 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 A little before their time. Spy on each other making out. You know Taylor would have a ring camera for like every building. Yeah, he totally would. (laughs) Oh my gosh. He would have them he would have like a basement with like twelve screens. Each with oh, a different yeah. camera feed. <laughs> Just like the guy in The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. What was his name? Uh, Nick Offerman. Bill? His character. Bill. Bill and Frank. Yeah. Yeah, he was Bill. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> when Lorelai comes inside, she lets Rory know that Alex has invited her next weekend to see the Broadway show Love It Town, or at least that comes up at some point. And... Based on how much she's talked about Soki and Jackson, he invited them as well. 
And I was just like, what a good guy. Yeah, such like, a good idea. He wants to meet her friends and they're going to go to New York for a weekend. Like, that's just so cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, this episode proves that he would be such a great boyfriend for Lorelai. Yeah. And it's unfortunate he disappears. <laughs> why would they put this much time? Yeah. In, like, why would they not just make him another Don Draper? Like, yeah. he wasn't Don Draper, but like... <laughs> make him boring or something like why make him good and then whisk him away Mm -hmm. but after they find this out so rory's gonna have to go to the dinner with dress alone which she says is probably a good thing and i have to agree i think yeah like she says that lorelei would be trying to uh like mediate but i also like lorelei does not like jess yeah so she'll of course be wanting to like help Rory save face but I it would not go well (laughs) yeah like anytime Rory's with Lorelai and Jess she's already mediating Mm -hmm. those two so then at dinner she would have to mediate Lorelai and Emily and both of them in regards to Jess Mm -hmm. you know so it'd be a lot of work for her so it does kind of work out (laughs) after they decide this though Jess calls and this conversation is the beginning of my two-part Friday night dinner for the episode yeah um he kind of passive aggressively asks what Rory's been doing and then we find out that he has a flyer that shows that Rory and Dean were at Miss Patty's thing together which of course is kind of hilarious but I know like the short (laughs) amount of hours that have passed that Miss Patty already got flyers yeah (laughs) they're probably like pre-printed and just like inserted names (laughs) Mm. (laughs) but he is suspicious about Rory and Dean being together even though Rory explains that it was harmless and so my Friday night dinner is really just the how the basis of this relationship is built off of mistrust and I think mm-hmm. that has a lot to do with how the relationship began um, mm-hmm. from both of them kind of mistreating their partners at the time and then getting together kind of by default once Dean breaks up with Rory. And there's no like good foundation there. There's no trust. There was no time for Rory to move on from Dean and like convincingly mm-hmm. be over Dean and ready to date Jess again. And that's kind of, that goes back to the time when after making out with Jess, Rory goes to talk to Dean <laughs> and apologize. Like, yeah, that's wow. that's not a great sign. And just, it shows up twice in this episode where both of them are making these assumptions about what's going on with Dean. And Dean is really like the third person in this relationship that neither <laughs> of them wants to be there, but can neither of them can forget. And I think it's their own fault for rushing into things. That's such a good point. And the way that you described how they began right after like mistreating their former partners, they have to at least consciously or subconsciously think, will they treat me that way? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like how can Jess trust Rory when he sees what she did to Dean? And likewise with um, Shane and Jess. So yeah, what a shaky, shaky foundation mm-hmm. for them. And it really comes to to the foreground in this episode not a good situation and it's just so disappointing especially right after that great scene earlier of like all that their relationship could be and then to just like immediately give way to the suspicion and Mm -hmm. like paranoia about each other 
I was like, yeah. green, you know, jealousy green is yeah. not a good <laughs> color on chess. Yeah. And, but like, you also see the the good side in the second half of the conversation too, which is so frustrating because mm-hmm. she then just kind of transitions to talking about the show and he's like, oh, fill me in on the showbiz spat. Like, and you imagine that they will have a whole conversation where she's like telling him all about this and they can laugh and all that. And it's like, oh, they could have had it all. Yeah. There is one little tidbit that Jess says before he moves on, which is he knows that Rory and Jess and Dean are friendly, but he still wants to punch Dean. And that's something mm. that will come up later on. <laughs> and wait oh and he also said like could you tell me before you see dean so i don't have to read about it in a flyer and that was like this the small piece of all of this that i felt was Mm -hmm. fair ish like there's not there's like monitoring someone which i'm not okay with but then there's like open communication if like oh if i know that me seeing this person hurts my partner it's Mm -hmm. probably best for, for them to hear from me um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And if those flyers had never been made, would, would she ever have told, have, told him? have told him? No. Yeah. No. So hence mistrust. Like, I don't like that Jess yeah. is jealous of mistrusting her, but I don't know. You see where it comes from. Yeah. As you explain, <laughs> like, we can follow the map of how they got here. <laughs> yeah. And just like the pattern of how Rory treated Dean, because she also like didn't tell Dean about many things like the kiss mm-hmm. with Tristan until she was about to be called out about it and then like seeing Jess in different capacities like she never told Dean about that kind of stuff so yeah we interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor when was the last time you took a relaxing row across the pond that lies hidden somewhere within Stars Hollow if you haven't been lately might we suggest taking the time this weekend to go and soak up the sounds of nature. You'll see beautiful trees overhanging the water, hear birds calling above you, and feel the warmth of the sun on your skin. But beware, there is a menace on these waters. While you are relaxing, keep a wary eye out for a flash of white feathers. If you've heard a disturbing honk, it's too late for you. This creature will lull you into complacency with its graceful circling, but it's truly a vicious beast. Even its backside is terrifying. Now, you may be wondering why we convince you to take a turn about the lake if such a threat looms over your nice afternoon. It's all because listeners of Talking Fast are lucky enough to have access to this amazing offer, a baster with which to fend off the terrifying foe. Yes, that's right. This Saturday afternoon, you can enjoy a row on the lake and feel like a knight facing off with a dragon carrying your trusty weapon. Just mention Talking Fast to the park ranger on duty to get your baster. And don't forget to yell thank you as the park ranger hightails it out of there. It's interesting that by the time she will date Logan, they don't really mistrust comes up for them occasionally Mm -hmm. in the classic like on our break situation Mm -hmm. but that's more him than her so in a certain regards it almost seems like all of these like colossal failures like with sleeping with dean later on maybe she at least learns this one thing like i feel like she is fairly honest with logan (laughs) yeah that's true 
Yeah, and she's not still hung up on past boyfriends. No, but like there is like a slight overlapping of Dean and Logan. Yeah. You know, like when she goes on the excursion and they do the whole jump Jack Jill thing and yeah. she begins to like like him. She's like ignoring Dean's calls at that point. So Yeah, that's true. And then Roy, of course girl, there's Roy. all the stuff in the revival, but we'll get to that. In oh, a year or two. Okay, so <laughs> she's not solved from it. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In the next scene, we are on Sunday afternoon after the band that will be known as Hep Alien has just practiced. Lorelai has all these snacks for them, including Melba toast because she remembered Brian's allergies. Yeah. I meant so to nice. Google that. I meant to Google that. Do you know what that is? No. Melba Was he toast? is he gluten intolerant? Was that the allergy? I don't remember exactly. Probably. If it's it was probably like bread. one of the early versions of gluten-free mm. bread or something. Nice. <laughs> and they are chatting. They're talking about how they don't have a love song in their repertoire. All of their songs are about property destruction and general <laughs> dislike of right-wing causes. Which, Rock on. Yeah, I'm cool <laughs> about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Lorelai accidentally lets slip out, oh... You know, I'm surprised Dave and Lane don't want to sing love songs all the time. And everyone is kind of like, well, why would they want to? And Lorelai kind of tries to save the situation, but it's not very convincing. However, Brian and... Brian and Zach. Zach. Oh, my God, I forgot it. Brian and Zach don't seem to be the brightest light bulbs mm-hmm. in the box, at least in this scene, and don't really, like, follow up on it. <laughs> and it's funny to me yeah but i will add i have my worries bookshelf in this scene because zach bites a potato chip and he says oh that crunch sounded just like the drum fill in the song baba o'reilly and i nominated this because this song which is by the who has the chorus of like teenage wasteland oh yeah yeah and so I hear that song on the radio or I heard it in Stranger Things like and I want to like oh let me go like listen to that on Spotify I love that song and you type in Teenage Wasteland but it's not titled Teenage (laughs) Wasteland and I feel like that's a common mistake it's called Baba O'Reilly which is like totally not a like I don't get it yeah but um I read the Wikipedia page about it briefly and it acknowledged like a lot of people mistakenly think it's called Teenage Wasteland And The Who, in a couple of interviews, said, like, Teenage Wasteland refers to, like, all of the garbage left on a field after one of their concerts. And then another meaning for it, they said, was about all of the, like, teens who are wasted at Woodstock and, like, how some people even had brain damage from it, you know. And so they didn't mean Teenage Wasteland in a positive way, but a lot of people take it to be, like, yeah, let's all, like, go get wasted and stuff. So I enjoyed reading that Wikipedia article. So you learn something new every day. <laughs> I'd always thought of it as, like, a dazed and confused type of situation. Have you ever seen that movie? Um, I don't think so. It's the it's just, like, a chill movie, the last day of school. Everybody at this high school goes to a party out in the woods where they all get drunk and stoned and that's basically it <laughs> it's a great movie that, that kind of reminds me of book smart yeah yeah in a way it doesn't yeah. have quite as much like 
kind of social commentary as Booksmart mm-hmm. does. No, definitely. Yeah. That's but, an, I really like Booksmart though. Yeah. I agree. It was great. Uh, anywho, like at the end of the scene, Dave and Lane say they have a like system and it works and we will see if that holds true mm-hmm. by the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> we know it's super complicated. So mm-hmm. there are many things that can go wrong. <laughs> After this, we go to Luke's. Where Lorelai comes in talking about how she needs to go shopping before she goes to Manhattan. And Luke, once again, on display with his love for Lorelai, he kind of lists off all of these different clothing options that she has that to prove that she doesn't need to go shopping. He, like, basically designs her outfits for the entire weekend. And it's just, like, <laughs> the the amount of detail he pays to her person in general everything everything she does everything she wears it's just kind of astounding and like in the same scene he that he's then also talking about stuff he does with nicole so it's just like such a he can't escape it he's trying to move on mm-hmm. from lorelei mm-hmm. and like be with somebody else but he can't escape that lorelei is just like his his main interest in every way which I thought was very cute, but also oof. <laughs> it was impressive, but sad mm-hmm. a little bit. And I was just like, wow, you know, we think we know Lorelai's closet. <laughs> we made a whole segment about it. But turns out Luke knows it even better than we do. And it is interesting, though, like the comparison of him and Nicole and Lorelai and Alex at this point, because when she says she's going to New York, she says a bunch of us are going. The same way she did for the fishing date, she kind of tried to be like, I'm going with friends. Like, she's still not bringing up Alex to Luke, whereas Luke then is like, oh, yeah, I know about musicals because I meet Nicole there in New York sometimes. That's near her office. Like, he's happy to bring up Nicole in front of Lorelai. And I, that could fit the dynamic of, like, Luke being, I'm moving on, like, trying to prove to himself and Lorelai, and Lorelai is still, like, hanging on slash not wanting not to be with him I don't know it's it's complicated (laughs) yeah I was pretty proud of Luke for like being pretty straight up about his relationship it also seemed like yeah he and Nicole so far it just seems like a great relationship like they're exposing each other to new things they seem to be having fun Luke seems to be enjoying going to all these shows and everything um he like I noted he sounds very cultured which is not something I'd often say about (laughs) Luke um except for his like small moments of like political activism the rest of the time he seems pretty small towny but here he's like you know going to all these shows he has recommendations for things to do yeah it was pretty pretty cool and at this point I'm still pretty pro Nicole you know, we'll see yeah, what happens. I agree. <laughs> During this, he also recommends a book to Lorelai that he has upstairs. So Lorelai heads upstairs to go and get the book, and she opens the door to see two teenagers, basically horizontal, <laughs> <laughs> making out mm-hmm. on the couch, and Rory and Jess like rip rip apart from each other and look super <laughs> guilty. Um, they have a very awkward conversation 
where Jess gives the book to Lorelai. Lorelai talks about needing a system again and then like Mm -hmm. edges out of the room and says carry on or don't. Uh, It's just super awkward. (laughs) Like having your parents walk in on you is just. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was a good old horizontal couch makeout if I've ever seen one. And it definitely alerts Lorelai and us as the viewer to how far that relationship has progressed because there's one thing about how they make out in public but it's totally another behind a closed door on a couch horizontal rather than vertical so yeah curly hair Rory is she's becoming more adult here yeah (laughs) and we'll see how Lorelai reacts to this and is a bit freaked out by it but and she is freaked out when she goes downstairs and I just love I love this scene with Luke who has his own system like there's a lot of talk about systems in this episode and I think you realize like belatedly he was using Lorelai in his system because he's like oh you saved me a trip like did he really think she would use that book I think he really just wanted to send her up so he didn't have to (laughs) and he talks about how this has been going on like every day like they're up there all the time and he goes up every 10 minutes pretending he needs something and then he puts it in a bucket and he pulls up this bucket that's full of stuff (laughs) random stuff and he says every few days I take all the stuff back up and then I start the cycle over again and I I just love that (laughs) I feel like it's pretty good system yeah like it's a balance of like let them do what they will like he wants them to do it there rather than somewhere else but it's also kind of like you know we have to have like boundaries for teens too we can't quite let them just go off in the unknown like yeah I don't know yeah I thought Luke's parenting was like top-notch this whole episode Mm -hmm. I have moments later on that I was also like just kind of blown away by his ability to parent Jess in a way that allows Jess to like have the space that he needs because otherwise he'd rebel pretty hardcore just because that's how Jess is. But he also still, like, is emotionally supporting Jess and, like, giving him advice and all that. But (laughs) this scene ends with Lorelai kind of getting a contemplative look on her face and then she's like, 10 minutes, yeah, that's about the time it took to create Rory. (laughs) And that included getting dressed. (laughs) Um, So... That sends Luke in a panic back up upstairs, and it seems like maybe he will amend his trips upstairs to every <laughs> five or six minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say like that that does not seem like she was trying to be funny about it, I think, and scare him. Mm-hmm. But as far as like teenagers go, I I could see easily how ten minutes would be all they would need. Yeah, for catastrophic consequences. <laughs> yep. Uh, That's very true, especially if they, like, know that Luke's going to be up there every 10 minutes. That gives them a, like, guaranteed window of time, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we arrive at Friday morning in the next scene. Lorelai is surprised that she's not having a packing crisis. Another sign that her and Alex are good together because they talked and coordinated their outfits. There's a day where they agreed they should dress whims like with a little bit of whimsicalness. And so she's got like a Spice Girls necklace. And it's like they he agreed like they agreed on a whimsical fashion yeah. day. Like 
that is so they're so perfect i yeah that's so fun and the only thing she's worried about is what she will wear that day but i think ultimately this scene is supposed to be the space where lorelei is able to air out her fears about rory after witnessing them and lorelei's in a tough place because she's like kind of supposed to be the cool mom that's your friend and so she's not she's trying to talk around it by saying wouldn't it be more convenient to say at emily and richards after dinner rather than just coming out to say i'm afraid about you and jess being alone while i'll be gone and potentially having sex essentially and rory picks up on this of course and essentially says she has too much on her mind now to even think about that Mm-hmm. She will later revise the <laughs> statement. But at this point, she is saying, you know, Jess might be different, but I am not. I still am not thinking about sex yet. Yet. Keyword. Yeah. An interesting thing to say for somebody who spends all afternoon making out with your boyfriend. <laughs> I know. I didn't think that was like the best thing of all things to say. Yeah. Like I have too much to think about. Like. You, mm, yeah, I don't think that's true. <laughs> you could like say my priorities mean that I'm not going to do something that would like mess with them. Like I don't want to do something that could potentially mess with Harvard. I don't know. Any yeah, other or just answer. like I'm not there yet. Yeah. I'm not ready to have sex yet. Like, yeah, mm. I don't think they even say the word, though. Yeah, definitely like, later not. on, they say it. Yeah. Like I'm like, more like <laughs> can say the word sex, can't she? Yeah. <laughs> Also, in this scene, I have my Lorelai's closet really quick for Lorelai's robe that she's wearing, which is this, like, voluminous robe covered in red roses, and it reminded me of a dress worn on The Bachelor recently. (laughs) At the beginning of this last season, a person came in on limo night in a dress covered in red roses. And it, she, like, got picked on a bit for it. So this reminded mm-hmm. me of that. And I just liked it. It was also something I've never seen Lorelai wear. And it looked kind of cool. Like, if you're at home, why yeah. not wear a huge kind of ridiculous robe? <laughs> yeah, it was glam. Mm-hmm. I liked the robe, too. And I liked the rose dress on The Bachelor because that person, and I'm forgetting her name, unfortunately. Brianna or Bri- Brianna. Yeah, that sounds right received like the people's first impression rose Mm -hmm. so she was coming into it with a rose already so she was doing the theme of rose and I think other people were intimidated by it you know yeah a very nice dress though (laughs) so we end this scene with the you know thought of there being potential sex in the future but nobody saying it and everybody denying it (laughs) (laughs) fun (laughs) we go to friday night dinner and emily and rory are sitting there waiting they're talking about kind of banal things like rory's uniform Mm -hmm. and stuff like that it appears that jess is late and emily from the very beginning seems to want him to give him the benefit of the doubt she mentions that there's a big crash or something on the road that he might have run into and I want to commend Emily for her her actions in this whole dinner. I thought that she did a great mm-hmm. job. We we know based off the conversation that happens later that she doesn't like Jess or approve of him. Mm-hmm. But it was very clear she'd made the decision to like 
for this night to go well. If it went badly, it wouldn't be because of her. And I kind of got the feeling that she, like, had decided on the ephemerality of teenage love. <laughs> like, she kind of knew that... <laughs> That's nice. ...that um, Jess was here now, and she was going to not do anything to jeopardize her relationship with Rory over Jess, whether she liked him or not, um, and just hope that <laughs> Jess and Rory didn't last. I thought she did a great right. job. Or like she wants to keep an eye on him and be in the know and be informed while he is there. I think that's interesting because I did find myself like I was also so impressed with her social graces Mm -hmm. throughout all of this. She clearly, as we know by the end, like does not like Jess, doesn't like how any of this plays out. But you wouldn't really know from how she interacts. She's so gracious, especially as it compares to Rory in this scene. And multiple scenes. Um, But I did wonder, like, her going into it, was she ever planning to give Jess, like, a fair shot? Mm, Like, even if this had gone fairly well, like, Jess shows up without the black eye, maybe he still has a bit of attitude, but for the most part, like, makes conversation, makes, like, as good of impression as he could. Um, Kind of like, you know, kind of like Dean. Like, Dean didn't necessarily do anything wrong in that dinner but he was never going to change like their attitudes about him based on things he can't change like his class status you know and his plans for life so I I I just I think it was really interesting like that yeah like I think Emily planned to handle it this way the whole time but I do wonder like was there ever a potential that she would have been willing to warm up to him or was this all just about like appearances and the social like this is what you do you meet your granddaughter's boyfriend and you I don't know you know yeah I think based off of how Emily and Richard treat Luke later on when Lorelai and Luke get together we can (laughs) assume that (laughs) Jess would never have been able to redeem himself in Emily's eyes but even so I'm glad that she decided to handle it the way that she did because otherwise it would have been like the worst disaster because it was already quite a disaster Jess shows up and immediately we know something's wrong because he has a black eye and Emily pretends it's not there she doesn't acknowledge it she doesn't say anything about it she just asks him in and then Rory's the one who won't drop the whole situation She keeps trying to get him to tell her what happened, and she won't let it go, even though Emily is attempting to have a good conversation. And I had a Jess sass attack in here somewhere. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah, it was when Emily starts talking about Jess's job at Walmart. So clearly she's even, like, thought about conversation topics to have. Yeah. And Emily mentions that she and Richard have stock in Walmart. Jess says, Mm -hmm. thanks for the paycheck. Um, which I thought was hilarious and kind of like a <clears throat> a call out on the class difference, uh, which was very astute. And Emily, I'm sure, did not appreciate it, but I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> then Emily leaves to go check on dinner and Rory continues to ask him about the black eye. And He says he doesn't want to talk about it, that he's hungry and thirsty, that the traffic was bad and he's in a crappy mood. And 
he's doing something that he doesn't want to do to begin with. So I, I mean, I do have like sympathy a little bit. I can put myself in his shoes and like feel all of that. Um, but I will say like he could have just said no um, because she asked if he got in a fight. And, he, and he's like, I, we'll talk about it later. He could have just said no and I'll tell you more later. Yeah. Like, although I guess maybe she would have thought he was lying. Like, I don't necessarily know if it matters what he said in that moment. If Rory would have dropped it and just gone and behaved like better. Yeah. I mean, that sounds judgmental. But like <laughs> my I was thinking about like what is the driving factor behind Rory's behavior through this dinner as we've discussed and I'm sure we'll talk about more like part of it is her suspicion of the dean of it all and that's really what sets Jess off but I think like to my mind I think the second Jess showed up with a black eye Rory was embarrassed by him and you can kind of see it on her face when he when she opens the door and I don't necessarily fault Rory for that. Like she she wants him to make a good impression on Emily because she cares about him. And so then he shows up with a black eye and she's like immediately like embarrassed and angry. And um, I don't it had me thinking of like, is Rory potentially like ashamed of Jess? And then he shows up and has a black eye so it makes matters worse but I don't necessarily think she's ashamed of him so much as like she is aware of how Emily and Richard will view him so she's already like worried and on like knowing that this will be an uphill battle so then the black eye she's just like embarrassed and angry so I think it's like it's not only the dean it's also her embarrassment Mm -hmm. of the black eye that won't change no matter what the story is um that like because I was like she's just like there's so many moments in this that are so awkward and it's just like just let it go you could have just like done this so differently yeah yeah she made it so much worse I totally agree that I Mm -hmm. think embarrassment was a huge factor and I also wonder if that's why she hadn't told Emily and Richard that she was dating Jess for so long and I wonder if part of that also has to do with the town's reaction Mm, or what she imagines the town's reaction to be to her dating Jess because she knows everybody dislikes Jess so she was like assuming that that would mean Emily and Richard also would dislike him which I think was probably a correct assumption (laughs) yeah like I think this would have also been I think we said already like if Richard had been there Mm -hmm. this would have been like the Dean dinner but uh, like times 10 yeah it would have been terrible (laughs) like very explosive (laughs) At, yeah. at least this like ends quickly because Rory won't let it go so to the point to which Jess just leaves before he does that though she of course says that she thinks that it was because Jess and Dean were fighting as you said it doesn't matter what Jess says here because she already decided what <laughs> what the truth is yeah I think The way that goes down, though, the way they have this conversation is so funny to me because Rory brings up the eye again mid-conversation with Emily and Jess. Mm -hmm. And Jess is just like, let's not talk about this right now. And Emily says, oh, there's no salt and pepper on the table. I better go get some. (laughs) Clearly, like, choosing to leave them alone. Like, she is, like, so, like, expertly trying to navigate this to prevent, like, conflict. But Rory is not working with her because 
then like when Emily returns later, Roy is just like, let's go talk in the study. And Jess is like, no, it's rude to your grandma. But she's like, let's go. And it is so awkward. <laughs> anyway, yeah. but yeah, they talk about Dean. <laughs> yeah. And Rory assumes that Jess was the one who started the fight because, quote, Dean wouldn't do that, <laughs> which is uh. just the the worst thing to say. Like, it proves beyond a shadow of the doubt that she would side with Dean. Like, she thinks that Dean is the better person quote unquote and Jess is the one who would cause trouble regardless like she hadn't even seen that con uh, confrontation between Jess and Dean at the winter festival maybe she mm. would have said something slightly different if she had but yeah just the fact that she doesn't even give Jess a she doesn't believe him despite this all being completely false in her own like made-up situation and then B, even if she did believe him, she would still side with Dean because Dean is like the perfect angel of the town. I completely agree. I have thought as we've been talking, though, about some of the earlier scenes, I did begin to think about a couple things of like the recency of Jess doing the jealous phone call and mentioning wanting to punch Dean. It's like, hmm. Well, did he do that? Um, and then also the way that both Lorelai and Luke, when they hear about the black eye, they ask, did you get in a fight with Dean? And when it is from Luke, who is on Jess's side, it I just was like, hmm, everybody assumed it, including Rory. Um, so I almost, I feel like there's a way to give her the benefit of the doubt a little bit, or at least contextualize it in the way, like, she's not the only one to react like that. But I'm still, it's like, none of those people are the ones in a romantic relationship, you know? Like, it's still their problem that she doesn't trust him and trust her ex-boyfriend more. Um, so yeah, but it was just really, really, I could really understand why Jess was set off the second they're alone and she's like, did you get in a fight with Dean? Like, yeah, the worst thing possible to say yeah. <laughs> at that moment. <laughs> yeah, thankfully, he just leaves, um, which I think was the right move for him to make. There was no coming back from this. It leaves a, ver a pretty bad impression on Emily, but yeah, I don't think there's any way he could have come back from this confrontation. So he leaves. Probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, I think. And I forgot to mention around the point where they go in the study, I place my Friday night dinner critique um, really based on a lot of the things we've been discussing. And I it's really critique of the behavior on both sides of this really like Rory and Jess in the way they handle this, like a bit more on Rory's side, though, <laughs> and how in the study is when she admits that Jess embarrassed her in front of her grandma. And I just think like she's referring to the conversations and the way he's acted. But I think it was like literally the appearance of the black guy, mm -hmm. which she couldn't change. And then she's not really seeing that her, she herself embarrassed them even more than if she had just kind of ignored it and moved on. So like, I don't know, everything was just very, reactionary on her part and um yeah and that's yeah he goes uh Rory and Emily have a night in alone after that <laughs> yeah it could have 
I wonder what would have happened if Rory had just pretended that the black eye didn't exist. Like, talk to him about it later, but they could have had a nice dinner. Jess seemed like he yeah. would al- at least have tried to be polite and everything. <laughs> So, meanwhile, in New York City, uh, the fun side of the episode, they're they're leaving the show, Sookie, Jackson, Alex, and Lorelai. Sookie and Jackson initially try and say, you know, it was a great show. They absolutely loved it. And Alex, again, being just a great guy, <laughs> breaks the ice and says that it was one of the worst things he's ever seen, which, of <laughs> course allows everybody else to admit that they hated it and Suki and Lorelai start like riffing off of the notes of the show making a funny little song um I just loved how easily Alex like fit into the whole dynamic with the four of them because Suki and Jackson aren't like a normal double date I'd say they're not like the kind of straightforward double date they are quirky characters and Mm -hmm. he he fit right in with them i think he fit in with them potentially better than luke does when luke and lorelei try and do double dates with them Mm. in the future they don't really go on like a proper double date but they do have dinner together and luke is just kind of like a silent participant (laughs) in that dinner so i don't know i'm not not necessarily saying that Alex would be the better partner over Luke, but I'm not not saying but I'm that. I'm not saying he's not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a possibility. It's just so hard. It's so hard to know with like just how much more we know of Luke based on his screen time, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's hard to say it conclusively, but I completely agree. That's what I was to- like. That's all I was thinking about in this scene was just how fun and how he fits in the rhythm mm-hmm. and we've seen so many people like judge Suki or Jackson so it doesn't even seem like like first of all he's not doing that but it also doesn't feel like he's putting it on yeah. to get along with them like it feels genuine yeah he even like is great with Lorelai because Lorelai comes out and the mm-hmm. first thing she does is check her phone and Alex knows that she's worried about Rory potentially being at home alone with Jess and apparently earlier, Lorelai also told Alex to prevent her from calling Rory unless, you know, some there's an emergency or something. Mm-hmm. And him just reminding Lorelai of that prompts her to, like, put her phone away, kind of trust the situation. And I liked that, that they... He, he also said, you know, pretty much no judgment if you do want to call her, which I thought was great. So, yeah, he's just a good... A good boyfriend, a good guy. I know. <laughs> like, I really like that he brought it up and he was, like, counseling her, mm-hmm. but he wasn't saying, you definitely should not call her. He was like, I can see why you would want to. I do want to remind you, it was your own desire that you shouldn't, like, uh, what a guy. Do you think, is this, oh, no, there's one more. That's probably his last scene. Oh, yeah. Probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well. The next scene is Sunday morning where Lorelai allows herself to call Rory to check in and she finds out that Rory stayed over at Emily's and it is her first assumption to think that Emily ruined the dinner, Mm -hmm. which I think is funny (laughs) because it couldn't be the opposite. And 
Rory says, no, she was a saint. Like, she was great. And she kind of fills her in on the gist of it all. And then... Okay, so she fills in on Jess's black eye and Lorelai says, like, oh, did he get in a fight with Dean? Like, mother, like daughter. <laughs> and then Emily comes in and Lorelai asks to speak to her and she starts out by saying, oh, thank you, you know, for keeping your cool and being so great about everything. Like, thank you so much. And you might be thinking, like, wow, this conversation is going so well. And then yep. Emily bursts out with... <laughs> How can you let your daughter be with that abominable thug? <laughs> and I have to say, like, at least Emily's use of that word isn't racially coded because yeah, usually when true. people use that, it is. It is when Taylor uses it. <laughs> right. But for Emily, you know, it's not. Um, I'll say that much. And then she also <laughs> says, which is my Rory's. I mean, no, sorry. My just sass attack. She says, I wanted to slap that monosyllabic mouth of his. <laughs> like. I just yes. love that everyone comments on his monosyllabicness. I just want to know how many other teenage boys they know because uh, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's like a, a state of being for most teenage boys and a lot of teenage girls as well. Just teenagers in mm -hmm. general, I think, are tend to be either hyperverbal or monosyllabic and more monosyllabic with authority figures. Yeah, but... We, it seems like Gilmore Girls is in the world of the hyperverbal. Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> it's not, you know, akin to reality in that way. Yeah. But you make a you make a good point. And as Lorelai listens to this, she just holds the phone away from her ear and reads the paper. She doesn't seem surprised. It also doesn't seem like this cause causes a rift between them. Like we don't see Lorelai fire back. It seems like she completely expected this reaction and she thought maybe for a second she was surprised to hear like, oh, Emily didn't react like that to Rory. But then immediately when she finally allows herself to freely speak her mind with Lorelai, Lorelai is not surprised and just like lets her speak her mind. And I think at the end of the day, we knew Emily wasn't going to like Jess. And I think I think Emily is being unfair, of course, because the reason she judges Jess are for like classes reasons, things like that. But we'll just say like the way that she handled the dinner and then I think like allowing herself to rant afterward to Lorelai, like I feel like it's a fairly good way of handling things, you know, like rather than ranting to Jess or to Rory. And I think the only thing I really fault, fault her for in this is when she like blames Lorelai yeah. for Rory dating Jess. And it's like, <laughs> Little do you know, Lorelai has tried to prevent this yeah. <laughs> even more than than you have. She is like mother, like daughter in that regard. Like, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> if only she knew. Yeah, it's true. We'll see the end of this whole debacle in a little bit. But now we have a bit of a comedic interlude. Yeah, kind of a comedic interlude. So we're around town again. We see... Uh, Dave, Brian, and Zach, and all their instruments driving through town in this mm -hmm. station wagon. Uh, Brian <clears throat> Brian complaining about only having $3 as they try and figure out what they're going to do. And then Dave sees Mrs. Kim approaching, and he he tells the other guys to shut up. And then Miss, Mrs. Kim comes up and is, like, asking what's going on, and Dave explains that, oh, they're all, they're, sometimes he plays with 
these other guys in a praise band be- and mrs kim likes that because sometimes the guitar can sound a little bit thin mm-hmm. apparently mm-hmm. <laughs> and they play in a combo and then mrs kim takes a moment to <laughs> warn dave that lane has a little crush on him she says that lane is a good girl but flighty <laughs> i'm not entirely sure what she meant by that uh, maybe flighty in Mrs. Kim's eyes, but by anybody else's standards, I'd say she's not particularly flighty. Um, <laughs> Brian just, or uh, Dave kind of just like says, oh, uh, really? And then the light changes and they can go and this whole scene ends with Brian just like staring aghast <laughs> at Mrs. Kim and I loved it. Um, it was a fun scene. It was. The beginning of the end for the secret relationship. Yeah. I also like... <laughs> When Mrs. Kim asks who the people are, she says, who are all of these unwashed boys, David? (laughs) David. So good. good. Yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile, in town, also another quick scene with Rory at Josie's. And this is not such a fun comedic interlude. Rather, another, it's a continuation of all of these problems in this romantic life of Rory. She goes to ask Dean about the fight and then when dean confirms that there was no fight she she believes him oh such oh, a Rory, betrayal. get it together <laughs> like yeah <laughs> ugh, yeah and that was that this is of just, the scene but it's short but awful <laughs> it's just like so terrible like there's no way she and jess could ever work out if this is what she does when she when there's conflict like she doesn't believe a word he says she goes behind his back to check on his story Mm -hmm. like that's just not good it's not gonna go well yeah like I'm not surprised there isn't self-reflection on Rory's part because this has been Mm -hmm. an issue for her and she is a teenager so let's also give credit where credit is due teenagers (laughs) don't always self-reflect as much as they could they're still growing their brains But it's like, if she could just take a second to think, like, how can I date the person I don't believe? Like, it just does not add up. It's like mm-hmm. two and two do not, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. compute. And it's just frustrating to watch as a viewer. It's like just watching the car crash happen in slow motion and we can't do anything to prevent it. Unfortunately, chemistry and book chemistry don't make a successful, successful relationship. Wow. I'm as shocked. I'm shocked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The next scene we're at Luke's and Jess comes down and Luke then confronts Jess about the black Mm -hmm. guy. He also immediately assumes that it was a fight with Dean. Um, Jess says, no, he got it from Santa, which I thought was a great line. (laughs) Um, And then Rory calls on the phone. Jess doesn't want to talk to her, so Luke lies for him, which prompts Luke to be pretty worried about what's going Mm -hmm. on. And he drags Jess into the pantry in the back to figure out what's actually happening. And Jess finally tells us the truth about what happened. This is my gazebo (laughs) moment. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Just like Luke, I could not stop myself from laughing. Mm -hmm. He says a swan attacked him. (laughs) Why was this your gazebo moment? Uh, it was hilarious. <laughs> and admits like the just the height and the seriousness of the drama that this black eye caused for it at 
its core to be because a swan attacked him is just about as like hilarious as it gets like this is an (laughs) all-time storyline of just it's so funny to me that he could have just said it was a swan and none of this would have happened (laughs) maybe I don't know maybe she wouldn't have believed him but I also just love the line he says (laughs) the thing came out of nowhere and bam beaked me in the eye (laughs) and Luke is like I've never heard of beaking (laughs) and Jess like just leaves with a ladle and Luke says don't take the ladle it's brand new at least take take the the baster I asked our followers on Instagram Mm -hmm. about their interactions with swans. So we had quite a good response. I'd say about 150 people Mm -hmm. responded. And we had, yeah, 31% said that swans are terrifying. (laughs) 58% said they're not afraid of swans, but geese Mm -hmm. are terrifying. And that is what I agree with. Geese will chase you. They they are ruthless. The the (laughs) way in our town, like... We have so many squirrels and like geese are like squirrels mm-hmm. in our town. Like they're just everywhere, yeah, everywhere, everywhere, especially this time of year where they're all like nesting and angry at honking and everything, stopping traffic, yeah. like you name it. <laughs> yeah. All throughout the Target parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, we also, though, had 2% who said that they've personally been attacked by swans. Oh. I want to hear the details on that. 2%. And... of people lied and said that they are not afraid of any birds, which is ridiculous. I've been dive bombed by birds birds before. Like they, they are beautiful creatures, but they are little raptors Mm -hmm. in the sky. Wait, did you say (laughs) around 150 people responded? Yeah. And 2% of 150, according to my calculator, is about 30 people. Are you telling me? 30 people who follow us or see our stories were actually attacked by swans. According to what they self-reported. What they said. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. You know, they didn't send me any details. So that's what we're asking for now. (laughs) Maybe there are towns (laughs) where swans are the squirrels, I guess. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I think this all just goes to show what a funny and ridiculous uh, circumstance this is. The next scene is Luke and Jess in a boat, which is just hilarious also. We've never, I'm assuming this is the same lake that has a little bridge Mm -hmm. that goes over it that Jess always has his momentous moments at. That's probably where he (laughs) was when he got beaked. Yeah, I bet so, like thinking about Rory Mm -hmm. or something. And this scene is hilarious because Jess is just like holding a ladle out, (laughs) like a weapon, and they're talking about like this swan that is approaching and it kind of circles them. Luke says that it um, it's lulling them into complacency <laughs> and <laughs> they have this ridiculous interaction with the swan. But I'm skipping over the heartfelt conversation that comes before <laughs> that, which is, and I thought this was my gazebo mm-hmm. moment and I thought it was a great instance of Luke's parenting capabilities. Yeah, this was top notch. Yeah, because he... He asks Jess, you know, how did he explain the black eye to Emily? Jess is like, I didn't. Thankfully, I'll never have to do that again. And Luke is like, no, (laughs) with Rory, this is a package deal. Like, you get the mother, you get the grandmother. It's all a package deal. You can't not deal with her grandparents again. Mm -hmm. And Jess is kind of like 
I think having a low self-confidence moment mm. and he's like why did she even like uh I don't remember exactly what he says but yeah well like he to every bit of advice Luke shares he really is just like brushing it off and acting like mm-hmm. oh it's not that important or that he's like not taking the advice but I think later on we'll see he does kind of take to heart some of the advice but in the he's just yeah. trying to play it cool which I think you're right is very much about like low self-confidence at this moment and he keeps like bringing up Dean yeah. and Luke is just like but he she picked you mm-hmm. Jess kind of gives away all shows all his cards it's like uh who knows why <laughs> um and I think that kind of explains a lot of his actions throughout this whole thing she just doesn't he doesn't know and I think that that is partly because of the way that they got together because if Dean had never broken up with Rory would Rory and Jess have ever gotten together I think that's something that he can legitimately question um and I honestly think that they never would have gotten together if Dean hadn't broken up with her so yeah what you said when Luke says like you'll you you being jealous of Dina's pointless. You'll only drive her away. Mm-hmm. She picked you. That's all that matters. I thought that was great advice. Then he has a second set, which is like, you actually have to like talk to her. You can't avoid her. Yeah. And this is also when Jess like says he equates talking to being a wuss yeah, like Dean. Like Dean. And yeah. I think Luke has a great counter to this because he was like, Dean was with Roy for two years. You've been with her for two mm-hmm. months. Like, don't have this sexist little self sexist comment you know equating talking to being a wuss which is like oh not masculine enough but it's like Mm -hmm. just so false because that is the quality that will actually lead to a stronger relationship at the end of the day yeah it's just like in last week's episode where he called luke pathetic for putting in any effort in his date with nicole it just shows I think it shows a lot of like the damage that Jess's upbringing has probably had Mm. for him and just like maybe that he had no real like example of a healthy relationship Mm -hmm. because it seems like uh, Liz was always kind of back and forth with people on and off again and he obviously didn't grow up with Luke until recently so he didn't really like get any of that kind of modeling of how to deal with things yeah that's a good point because it really does seem like when it comes to this relationship he's operating from a place of like assuming it will fail and as Mm -hmm. like as we saw here and as you pointed out like the line about like I don't even know why she's with me is very revealing like he never thought she would be with him and which indicates like a severe lack of self-confidence and self-worth and then he just is assuming it will fail and that to put in any kind of effort makes you look like a fool because you think it will fail rather than effort Mm -hmm. reflecting like that is the thing that will make it succeed you know it's very (laughs) it's very disheartening yeah it does make me so proud in how he ends up by the end of the show though totally but also I loved this scene because Luke seems to have like figured out the perfect balance with Jess of having these kind of heartfelt conversations telling giving him advice and then ending it just like with their ridiculous kind of sarcastic humor that they share with each other and this is the the scene where they uh (laughs) 
contemplate this one that mm-hmm. is coming to attack them. And Luke just like ends this whole thing with teasing Jess about the whole ordeal, with which I thought was a great move. Yeah, a great scene. Yes, yeah, a lot there. Moving forward, we are back at the garage where Hep Alien is about to practice. And <laughs> this is like another golden scene. You know, yeah. in any <laughs> other episode, this could have had like a nomination, you know. It yeah. is um, Zach and Brian arriving and they say, listen, man, we know you're hiding something to Dave. <laughs> um, and they think he was hiding his Christianity. And they say, you know, Christians can still rock. You don't need to hide it. Like, it's a part of you. And Dave is just like, I didn't know if you would accept my devoutness. <laughs> and they're even like, We'd be willing to play for Mrs. Kim if the gig pays, like how understanding they are. And it's just such a good running bit that those two are so clueless. And at first you think, oh, have they caught on to the Dave and Lane of it all? But but no, they have they have not. They've only caught on to like one fourth of the thread. And it's the part that Dave is mostly faking. (laughs) I loved after this as everybody's leaving the garage Dave and Lane have another one of their like priceless, priceless little shared gazes. Mm-hmm. And it, you could just like read the like, oh my gosh, we just got out of that kind of yeah. in their eyes. <laughs> it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. This scene also kind of merges into Lorelai and Alex returning. Another example of Alex being a great boyfriend for Lorelai. He talks about how she needs sustenance, <laughs> mm-hmm. but <laughs> Lorelai wanted to get home first. And then Alex departs. This is probably forever. his send off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, Alex. I mean, maybe. I yeah, think. Hopefully forever. Or we'll be wrong again. I'm pretty sure. See, I'd be happy <laughs> to be wrong because it would mean there'd be another episode with him. But bring him back in the revival. Next revival. <laughs> <laughs> but this also, so Lorelai heads in. Rory goes off to pick up some food for them. And she's walking past Luke's with these bags from Al's Pancakes Al's Pancake World, Mm -hmm. and Jess runs out. So he's ready to talk to her again. And he says he was about to call. Mm -hmm. And then Rory admits that she asked Dean and found out that they hadn't fought. And she was sorry she doubted Jess. Uh, Too little too late, Rory. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. That's not going to cut it. Um, But Jess says that, you know, next time... He sees Emily, he won't have a black eye, which is kind of like, oh, there's going to be a next time. Like, that sounds promising. Mm -hmm. And Rory asks him to just tell her the truth. He kind of, like, builds up to saying the truth. And for a moment, I thought he was (laughs) actually going to tell her. But then he says, I was playing football with a friend and the football hit me in the eye. And I have to say, Rory, you're not suspicious about this. Jess seems to have no friends. I know. Like, what friend? (laughs) No, like, has he ever ever expressed interest in any athletic activities? But she buys this and she, you know, they make out and everything seems to be okay. Their make out gets a little bit heavy and Jess wants to go somewhere. (laughs) Hint, hint. Rory says... Uh, I have to get home, but keep thinking what you're thinking. I was like, 
damn girl Roy has some yeah. game I was like <laughs> yeah wow that is such a good line like seriously wow. <laughs> if only if I was like still dating I would like remember that line to say to someone to try to like woo them or something I guess I could woo my own partner but like not as fun yeah <laughs> test it out test it out yeah I'll report back <laughs> For some reason, this reminds me. Have you ever seen The Holiday? Yeah, I love that movie. Like Cameron Diaz. It reminds me of the scene where Cameron Diaz and Jude Law have just met and she's like, she wants to take him upstairs and she like takes the wine bottle off of the uh, table and like walks up seductively and he's like, you see, you're already better at this than you thought you were. And something about that just like gives me the same vibe Mm -hmm. as Rory saying this at this moment. Yeah, yeah. And on that note, she leaves to go home. But I, I will say, like, on as you're talking about the apology and it being a little too late and it not cutting it, I, I agree. But I do find it interesting that when she says, sorry for not believing you, I need to work on trusting you more, Jess responds with, like, it's okay. I would have doubted myself too, essentially. And yeah, that's sad. And Yeah, but I do feel like it kind of acknowledges that that like mutual mistrust that you were talking about at the start of the episode where he's like yeah I don't trust you you don't trust me I wouldn't trust myself you don't I don't know if she doesn't I think she trusts herself um I wouldn't maybe she shouldn't but yeah it's just like rough it's rough territory Mm -hmm. their relationship is which is so sad yeah it's what you get the thing you wanted and then you have regrets that's how I feel about this relationship (laughs) if they just listened to our advice Roy had broken up with Dean ages ago yeah taking some time off and then they'd gone together (laughs) coulda woulda shoulda (laughs) after this Rory arrives back home with the food and Lorelai starts digging in while Rory sits on the couch armrest (laughs) kind of in silence (laughs) yeah until Lorelai notices and Rory says that maybe she's not too busy to think about it. <laughs> it. Uh, who knows what it is? <laughs> Lorelai knows what and, it is. <laughs> yeah. Lorelai tries to act pretty cool about this um, initially. And then they kind of go back and forth about whether Lorelai actually wants to hear about these things. Mm-hmm. And in the end, Lorelai says she does want to hear about <laughs> it, um, which I think is interesting like it's just such a different mother-daughter dynamic from I think most mothers and daughters yeah I did not have this conversation I promise you that much I've never had this conversation I never will um yeah hi mom if you're listening (laughs) (laughs) I there's a really funny line where Lorelai also she decides like yeah I want to know this stuff and she says like can you tell me before it happens? And Rory says, like, right before? <laughs> and Lorelai's like, no, like, just before. And I I think that's so, like, funny. A li- I feel like that's a little naive of Lorelai to request. Yeah, seriously. Because it's, like, as if that the first time is planned in advance. That's not really the case for a lot of people. It's often, like, a yeah. hormones getting the better of you or horniness getting the better of you. Yeah, yeah, let's just say Rory, when she does have sex, eventually does not tell Lorelai beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> and we see how that goes. So maybe she should have planned ahead and told her. And Lorelai could have said, yeah. don't sleep with a married man. <laughs> <laughs> 
but would Rory have listened? Because she sure doesn't seem to get that message later on in her life. No, no. (laughs) Anyways, this scene ends with um, them both kind of sitting and eating silently, pretty different from most of their scenes like this. Um, Then Lorelai puts her arm around Rory. Rory puts her arm around Lorelai, and we pan out. Yeah, I liked how the camera lingered on them, and it... Mm-hmm. it would feel like a second too long for them not doing anything and then Lorelai put the arm on and then it would be it was a few seconds again and then Lorelai and then Rory put her arm on Lorelai and it I just allowed I liked how it allowed us to like sit in the awkwardness following mm-hmm. this conversation and it kind of forced us to feel the awkwardness because we're like when's it gonna cut to black like I kept thinking it would <laughs> yeah. and then it you know it didn't so I kind of liked that way of ending the episode immersive yeah yeah it was a good episode yeah so juicy who was your mvp for this episode i think there were some good options and i was torn you know like do i give it to alex to give him a good send-off do i give it to lorelei who i think had some great moments but i think in the end i am giving my mvp to emily for the reasons we said i'm just like impressed at the end of the day at her abilities you know like even if if i don't agree with her morals or ethics wholeheartedly i just (laughs) admire her and i'm like wow so cool Mm -hmm. and oh and the very beginning at friday night dinner she also had this funny line where she compared tricks sucking on olives to tricks sucking the (laughs) life out of people and lorelei asked like she sucks the juice out of people and she said no she sucks the life out of people and that was a very good line to like kick off the episode so i wanted to circle back to that but yeah who was your mvp my mvp was luke i was just like so impressed by his parenting Mm -hmm. skills in this episode especially for somebody who just became a parent yeah a year ago (laughs) Um, and who had that questioned by almost everybody in the town for a long time. He seems to really like struck the balance with Jess. Yeah. They seem to have a good relationship at this point. Mm-hmm. It makes me sad that so many bad things happened in relationship to the April situation, who I want to say at this point, I like April. I like that storyline generally there are all sorts of things to talk about, of course, yeah. with it. But like how they use it to like tank the relationship. Yeah, exactly. Instead of, like, you know, being a, a father storyline for Luke yeah. because he seems to be a great parent. Here, yeah. And, yeah, I think he had a lot of potential with April. Um, But, yeah, Luke, I think he did a great mm-hmm. job with Chess this week. I agree. I kind of feel like anyone in this episode could have been an MVP except for Jess and Rory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, agreed. <laughs> Miss Patty, Kirk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know about Kirk. I don't know if I agree with the strobe light approach. <laughs> I just like his creative vision. Of course, yeah. It's very <laughs> determined. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a good one. Another doozy. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We have bad stuff coming up, I think. So that's the forecast know. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wear a rain jacket, umbrella, <laughs> oh, gosh. weather through the storm. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, talk, talk soon. Talk soon. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.